Good evening, and welcome to Screen Tone Club. This is episode 83 of your fortnightly manga discussion podcast. My name is Elliot Page. We are recording this on the 8th of August, 2021, for release on the 17th of August, 2021, due to um, house-moving shenanigans. Um, Also important to note is by the time this releases, we will be in a post-fourth Evangelion rebuild movie world. And so everything will be sundered, Elliot will turn into a puddle, um, of LCL, haha. Um, and yeah, everything else good will be destroyed, and everything bad will also be destroyed, finally. And so, um, I am joined as always by my lovely co host, Mr. Andy Hanley. How are you doing, Andy? Are you ready for the apocalypse? Um, yeah, I mean, like, I've, I've stripped half of my house bare, so yeah, like, I'm, I'm pretty much, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm halfway, halfway there, halfway ready for it, um, which might just be actually because I'm moving house, but, uh, you know, well, t- take your pick, maybe it's that, maybe it's the Evangelion apocalypse. Well, you're clearly moving into a new house in a geofront in a nuclear bunker, so, you know, <laughs> I, I'm wise to your wiles, Andy. Yeah, yeah, sa- sadly, I haven't. I haven't yet found the button in my new home that lets it, like, sink into the centre of the earth. Although, like many places in Glasgow, it is, like, a, a, a site of former mining activity, so it might just sink into the earth of its own accord at some point anyway. Uh, well, I suppose that's why you have insurance, I guess. Oh, God. Oh, <laughs> uh, dear. As mentioned, this is your fortnightly manga podcast, and we are supported by our backers on Patreon, and one of which gets a shout-out right here in the episode, and that is Mr. Rob Jessup. So, once again, thank you for supporting us at the shout-outs tier. Moving on to the actual meat of the show, we normally start with Returning Champions, where we talk about series that we've discussed previously on the show. Um, I don't have anything in the document, but I thought I'd sneakily add something in here now with recording in that um, Spy Family is still ongoing. Um, it's bi-weekly and every fortnight like this podcast. And it's currently in the middle of a bit of an extended arc, which should be interesting i don't know like if you were to summarize the arc to me i'd find it interesting but the fact that it is segmented up into these little 30 40 page chunks is meaning that it's i don't know like it's kind of a lot to try and get myself excited for and then read through and then have the cool down of two weeks so i'm guessing my real sort of complaint here is that i need to read it less frequently and let it back up a bit but i am still enjoying it like the action is really cool like the characters are lovely um twilight is a moron um anya is great um your is interesting as always and yeah it's an interesting series i the main thing i'd say at this point is that reading it we as soon as it releases is bad because it's wearing me out a bit but maybe that's just me are you keeping up with this andy no no i've I've mostly just been kind of interested uh in kind of like watching the growth of this series from sort of being in the the manga plus ghetto quote unquote and then kind of seeing like it being sort of talked about and whispered about a little bit not least on this podcast like we we, we were into it before it was cool um and then kind of watching it you know make the leap to the the shonen jump app getting releases of actual volumes and it's sort of it, it, it's turned from this thing that's sort of been a a talking point for from like the people who know into something that's sort of far more kind of mainstream and popular and i, I believe it's been selling really well in terms of its its actual kind of physical uh volumes so it's yeah. it's kind of nice to see a series kind of break out from that particular sort of place and actually kind of you know stamp its foot and say hey like pay attention to me i'm i'm pretty good and uh and it has actually kind of made that stick so uh, it, it, that's that's been cool to watch from more like a, a business perspective yeah i think it's one of those series that's been affected by the whole um drought of publishing capacity at the moment issue that's rife throughout manga is the sheer amount of stuff that people are interested in and undeniable i suppose you could say bangers including chainsaw man means that finding physical copies is a bit difficult it's a bit difficult um which is why you got to join the cool kids like us and read it digitally before all this um hoo-ha i also quite like the cover treatment they have it's quite understated it has a bunch of like spy pulp era like fashion like fashionable and well-regarded um kind of design like special furniture designs with a single character on them which i think looks really really cool it's kind of understated and that kind of just pleasant and it's also got this rather strange like puce background which again very understated um but i think the main thing that helps in that case is the very good font treatment for the title which is very striking um and also again understated so um elliot um analyzing typography and cover design again i'm i'm afraid <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, I, as I say, I'm enjoying it still, but at the same time, I, I need to 
re reel back a bit so I can enjoy it more by reading it in chunks, I suppose. But I would say if you were enjoying it previously, um, it's well worth catching up on again. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's that's cool. And I'm I'm always here for like cover design talk. Like uh, th- there's a really interesting thing that somebody put together a, a little while back now about uh, Tokyo Revengers and showing how like they altered the the covers of various kind of prints of of um the first volume of that series over time in Japan and how it really like shifted the demographic. Like the first the first couple of kind of covers that it got were very sort of male oriented in terms of kind of their interest levels but then they they toned it down a bit and kind of changed the focus a bit for like the third print run and suddenly it gained this massive female audience who would like kind of put off by the like oh just like delinquents being jerks to each other but then it kind of like it focused in a little bit differently and suddenly it picked up a completely different audience so yeah covers are important as it turns out yeah that was it i i I, if i find a link i'll put it in the show notes um but yeah that was a really fascinating message tweet about the different cover treatments as you say like there's the chain because the actual like the, the series within is the same but what they're choosing to show the font treatment used the the actual language used what they place where and what command structures they follow are all critical i mean it's like if you're scrolling through like a, a kindle store or a bookstore like you will pick out like if it is um shoujo beat because it will follow exact same sort of structures if it follows other sort of structures it will follow those sort of design patterns like you know um harlequin romance novels and if you break those um you know it, it really changes up how people appraise it and just who you can get to pick it up for the first time uh, or click through to the full item details um so that's that's fascinating uh, that sort of stuff is catnip to me um so yeah, I'll, I'll see if I can find that tweet and put it in the description. So I've made myself some more work there. Um, anything else we want to mention as return champions, Andy? Uh, no, no, nothing from my side this time. Cool. So let's move on to our main topic. Um, do you mind if I go first, Andy? No, go for it. I mean, it's, it, we, we need to kind of book out half an hour just to talk about the title for this one. God so. damn it. It's not that bad. So my pick, um, given that I am a bit of a fate dork, I suppose, um, is I picked um, the manga volume one of Fate, Grand Order, Epic of Remnant, Pseudo Singularity 3, The Stage of Carnage, Shimusa, Seven Duels of Swordmasters. And as mentioned previously, you can basically summarize this to Seven Duels of Swordmasters and you get 90% of what's important in this. Um, the author, the original author of the scenario is Type Moon as part of their Fate Grand Order mobile game available uh, in Japan and most um, Asian markets and also America, but not the uk so vpn time uh it's drawn by ray wataru who i checked and it appears they have mostly done one shots before this and in fact um this manga started as a competition entry um which is kind of heartening to see um it's incomplete at the moment it's four volumes long in japan and one volume in english uh, there's no anime of this although they keep adapting sporadic bits of fate so god knows um if they're gonna do it um it's digital only at the moment from checking uh, but maybe that'll change if it does well. And so I'm going to start this a little differently in that I want both of us to explain our sort of fate and fate grand order familiarity levels just as we're coming to this. Um, as mentioned, I myself have played the fate grand order game. Um, I play on the Japanese server and it just, so it just had its sixth year anniversary, which made me feel extremely old and stupid. Um, I'm not fully caught up and also quite frankly quite a lot of it I kind of skip or I read plot summaries rather than actual translations um I played a little bit of the American translated version but it felt a bit stupid playing the same game twice and also obviously the characters you've unlocked don't transfer over and so I I did I, and also it was taking up twice the space on my device so I deleted the American version um I generally find the fate law stuff interesting like I love I love its wiki ability like the sheer sort of depth and all the proper nouns and the little interlinks and the the sheer sort of just like meatiness of all the different bits and pieces and mechanics of it all that are all mostly pulled out of an arse but are still interesting to me um so yeah that's where i currently so i so basically this the events in this manga i have played through although i did not fully understand because i can't read japanese but i did complete this storyline as it were so I have some inkling what's going on here and also the wider structure of the fake Grand Order Caldea-iverse. And Andy, how about you? 
Um, yes, I mean, I've really just consumed all of the... In terms of Fate Grand Order specifically, I've just consumed the various kind of anime iterations that have popped up, which, as you say, kind of cherry-pick certain bits of it, basically that it thinks like, well, that bit will probably look cool on, on screen, um, and and have kind of, like, consumed it through that. So I sort of, like, I feel like I'm in a slightly weird place of... I, I kind of... I know enough, um, but I'm no... It, like, I, I don't know kind of all of the ins and outs of every arc, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I think that's the weird thing about kind of fate for me is like, I, I think it's one of those franchises as a whole that you can engage with on a multitude of levels through from kind of like, oh, those character designs are cool. Um, and like, you know, they get cosplayed to death. Um, all the way through to kind of, you know, all of the deep lore of every single character, etc, etc. I kind of sit somewhere in the middle of just like, oh yeah, there are some cool characters in this. The general premise is usually pretty fun and a good excuse for some kind of action romps um and that's kind of like my level of engagement like i'm not too i'm not too invested in all the kind of like historical backstory and all the kind of like you know this is what all these characters are based on blah 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 like i just kind of like enjoy it on a relatively surface level of just like ah this makes for some pretty cool anime i can i can dig watching this yeah that's fair i mean you you can you can very much engage on it on a this will make cool fights level which you know given the title hopefully this will pull through um, or at least it pulled through for you reading this volume so that's more than fair i mean hell like you mentioned some people like because some people like i know have played a lot of fate grand order and consider themselves quite sort of learned in its various mysteries but have never like gone near the original fate stay night visual novel which is kind of it feels like eons ago now and in fact it was a while ago but it feels so many leagues and parsecs away from where the universe is now and the insane cosmology of it but basically um to give you the very short summary Main character, um, who I'm going to call Gudako because that's her name in the gag manga. Uh, I think it's Ritsuka Fujimaru, but I just call her Gudako. Um, she is talking to Mash in a library. Mash is her sort of pseudo servant and sen- and kohai. She's the sort of cute purple haired lass who like backs you up. And, um, our main character gets whisked away through a rather psychedelic sort of transport mechanism, uh, into Edo era Japan, except it's not quite real Edo era Japan because some castles are standing that shouldn't be and things seem a bit weird um and she is caught by a female version of miyamoto musashi the famous swordsman of the era um who is a very fake like archetype character she is like the older very carefree on air chan who seems to only really exist for the zest of living and also for um further sharpening her skills and generally remaining above the fray um she herself is a bit of a strange character in even in the fate lore in that she's not actually a servant or a summoned creature she is a human who's gotten unstuck from time and basically jumps around between timelines and this is not a spoiler because they tell you like 10 pages in that she is basically just reality hopping um so she's a stranger in this world as well even though she originally came from japan around this sort of era and they uh, run into a pair of kids uh, and the kids say oh come come with us to see granddad and we'll give you some tea because you're clearly not from around here and they run into a lancer a an actual servant who has been summoned to this era for some reason um and that servant gives his true name and i wrote it down and forgot to they went into a a lancer monk who would probably mean more if you were japanese or uh, you knew that history of lancer inchen who has a big old cross-shaped scar on his forehead and he's a cheerful laddie who uh, initially comes all wrapped up but then he kind of opens up to the group and starts a journey with them until they run into four really creepy looking like really super powerful um, beings who um, then announce that they have entered the stage of hideous duels Um, they kill the hell out they trans they kill the hell out of inchen and turn him into one of their number um these sort of ephemeral sword masters who are fated to basically like fight each other and or murder the living crap out of everything in the earth and there's a whole bunch of other cosmology stuff but basically it turns into um main character um Gudoko and miyamoto musashi um in a life or death struggle against these turned servants um in in a series of sword duels and the 
the end of the first sword sword duel um in around grandpa's house is the capstone on this first volume so that i feel like i've missed i've skipped out purposefully an awful lot there because i realized i was going to dive into the minute that no one really cares about apart from fate nerds but basically my main sort of thing that i want the main reason why i brought i mentioned this uh, manga and wanted andy to read it is not because i wanted to try and somehow like indoctrinate him into all this fake garbage that i love and yet it's called garbage because self-hatred etc but basically i think the art in this series is fucking transcendental and amazing i love it dearly i think the sheer amount of work and effort and like zest within the art really really pulls this series above uh um, even if sometimes, of course, it has to be enslaved to having a lot of very silly characters like, you know, Edmund Dante's, um, the you know, from, um, uh, what's its face? God, Genkutsu. What's the name of that actual book? Fuck. Uh, Count of Monte Cristo. Thank you. Yes, the Count of Monte Cristo, like, basically walks through a wall and exchanges a few snarky words with, um, with, um, Sherlock Holmes because that's the sort of shit that happens in Fate um, but the art is completely and utterly amazing in this volume and that's why I wanted to recommend it um, But so basically Andy did you come down liking it as much as I did in the art or did you find yourself kind of frustrated by all the stuff no, no, I'm kind of absolutely with you on the, the art. I mean, ironically, like, when I started this, like, man, this art style's rad. It's not going to be able to keep this up for the entire volume, but it's, it gets better. <laughs> it's like, you know, when it, it doesn't kind of shirk when it gets into the sort of the big action set pieces. Um, and yeah, like, it's, it's kind of fascinating because there's, there's something sort of kind of unique about the, the way it looks as well, but like, it manages to tick sort of, all of the boxes that you'd want to be ticked, especially for a Fate series, because, like, I mean, again, especially having come from, like, the, the anime sphere of things where, you know, Fate is already always, barring, like, Studio Dean's initial Fate Stay Night adaptation, like, it's always had, like, top-tier effort, like, thrown at it. It's always been, you know, UFO table or kind of, like, top-tier A1 pictures um, teams and, you know, even when kind of uh, Cloverworks did did some stuff on it, like, it was, it was, it was, the, it was the good stuff. And so, kind of, like, that sort of sets the bar pretty high for, like, I'm here for the visuals for a, to a certain degree with Fate, and, like, I, that was kind of my biggest concern, ironically, before I started reading this, is, like, well, it's not going to be able to stack up in that sphere, but that is actually the one sphere where it absolutely stacks up, and, like, it it nails its characters and character designs, it nails them from a kind of expressive point of view, um, both in terms of, like, faces and body, um, like, you know, it, it just, every panel just looks effortlessly cool in a certain way, and, you know, at times it's a little bit, a little bit fanservice-y, um, but, like, it, it, it even manages to kind of rein that in reasonably to the point where, you know, it, it never feels overbearing, um, and yeah, like, you know, it was... I, I think it, this is almost exactly what I wanted from any kind of, like, fate thing in manga form, because... You know, like I was saying earlier, you know, I, I don't tend to delve deep into sort of the lore of this, but I enjoy the surface level shenanigans. And this is a volume that I could do exactly that with because it looks, it looks so cool and it has kind of a high level plot that you can just kind of like go along for the ride of just like, okay, well, here's a roller coaster and like, ah, oh, here's, here's some new bad guys. Oh, some stuff's happening here. And you can, you can enjoy it for that and not really worry too much about the, the big picture stuff and the questions it's asking about like, ah, oh, well, what's happened here? And you know, what's going on with this character and you know, blah, blah, blah. Like that stuff is sort of, you can kind of have that as a bit of a side dish and maybe dip into it a little bit occasionally. Um, but you can just enjoy this as a kind of, manga fish and chips i don't know where i'm going with this analogy now but uh no it, it, it's tasty i guess is what i'm saying okay cool <laughs> yeah no i think that um there are some parts of this obviously that are constrained by the source material uh one of which is some of the character designs um the artist themselves appears to like drawing their characters on the um more ample side of the whole breasticles debate um which you know is fine but of course you know some of the characters are like one of the one of the um, antagonists who shows up, and I don't think they've given their actual name or even their code name so far, is like just big titty lady um, with like almost comically large melons. Um, but that's her original character design. And I'm pretty sure if you moved away from what are very popular character designs, you'd get lynched. Hence why they look that way. 
but yeah i think it does a great service to the cast like i mean obviously like fate grand order you know while it's well regarded and a great money maker it's a visual novel at heart like you have flat backdrops you have very well drawn um, character portraits that sometimes bounce around a bit with some you know some effects that happen but it is a visual novel and so your imagination has to do a lot of the work which i think is what helps lend it to these very luxurious and very lavish adaptions is you can take a few lines of quite sort of you know um descriptive prose and turn that into a sick sword fight or a lance fight or a bow fight or whatever just whatever the hell is going on you can go ham with it and you can do like the stuff you've seen in the fate movies etc um and this is this manga totally takes advantage of that where it has the characters basically luxuriating in themselves like you've got Shuten doji being a shit um in two different ways which is even weirder um and so you have this entire cast where you can you can if you want to basically ignore all of the actual like discussion of names and you know all the the frame story of ritzka being asleep in a coma in the real world and just kind of cut all that aside and go yeah but the, the important thing is that this this like pseudo singularity they're in um of edo japan is going to have the seven duels of sword masters and it says that like that's one of my favorite parts towards the end when it takes what is like a red battleground in the game to a almost like you know don't want to take his name in vain but almost a kento miura like level of detail of this like blood and skull soaked battlefield where the two combatants must fight and one of them will have their soul consumed and it's like okay this is wild and then it leads into like some of my favorite scenes in this manga where the first sword clash is uh, presented like vertically in a portrait manner with big black bars on the left and right which is like extremely effective for some reason in the it narrows the action down to this one strike and then you know and one thing is that lancer of purgatorio the um, antagonist is like not he's not even really a servant anymore he is just a regenerating husk with blood red eyes who can be decapitated without even really caring about it and they really use that because it looks so fucked up the whole time fighting that dude where it's like oh this is this is not even a, anything close to anything that should exist anymore um and so yeah and you know the characters are well drawn the character designs as you say are very detailed and it never really lets the details slip even for just the some of the crazy details they have um like musashi's clothing in particular and her hair and yeah it looks rad as hell and the and yeah that's the main thing i took away from it is just how beautiful the the art looks and just how strong it is like even at one point like you have the characters um splayed on the ground having been pushed away and you have all these lines just drawing out to show you the perspective and the depth of field and it's like damn that just the drawing these lines for the ground must have taken ages to make it not look tat and yeah just all the artwork's amazing and that's the main reason I really love this series, as I mentioned. Um, it's also nice to have the characters, like, you know, much like Toho, I suppose fate is an awful lot about having these different characters snark at each other constantly, just talking shit and going, oh, I wonder who you were. Well, you didn't work out too well, did you? You died. Well, you died as well. Oh, we both did. Uh. So, you know, that sort of shit. Or going, hey, you're not even real. You're just a myth. And it's like, oh, but am I? So, you know, all that sort of dumb shit that you get in fate, which is just, you know, ribbing itself along the way. Yeah. And honestly, and, and I, sorry, Andy, one last thing for hand, but, but one thing I will say is that I almost wish that it cut away some of the frame story and jumping back to Caldea because it doesn't really matter. Like it's the whole point of this storyline itself, both in the game and here is it's self-contained. Like the main character falls into a coma and they go through this travail. And that's kind of what you need. Like you don't need the whole frame story. I almost wish it didn't try and tie it back to fate proper as it were. Cause like the first page is this summation going hey here's the story of the fate grand order and it was solved hooray moving on and it's like you didn't need to mention any of that it's a closed loop like you don't need you just need to say at some point that the main character is a mage who has a command seal and it does that with a bunch of other stuff like it explains a load of other things really handily like the nature of the holy grail like it mentions that in like three panels and you're done it's like good that's all i need to know there's a grail grails are fucked up you know they're powerful we should probably find something to do about it and that's kind of it like you don't need the frame story yeah i mean i th- I think that that's the thing i'm kind of most curious about from like having read this from from my position is like i i am in 
kind of massively intrigued as to, to how this would read for somebody who has kind of basically just sort of zero prior experience with with fate grand order i think specifically like i i, I feel like i feel like most people now probably have at least some fate knowledge by osmosis because it's hard to escape if you're in this kind of uh in, in this this kind of spectrum um but yeah because it, it certainly it, it does its bit and it makes its efforts to kind of like explain some of the core conceits um and i'm kind of curious like how that would work out if you were completely new to to grand order because it's like for me it was more just a kind of like oh yeah i kind of know this useful to have the refresher just to get it like front of mind again but this is all fine like i, I i'm not sure whether it would play quite the same if you were completely new to it um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it's sort of, all, all the stuff going back to Chaldea definitely feels like that sort of, that's a bit of sort of fan pandering almost in, in that sense, because yeah, what is otherwise a self-contained story is just like, ah, we know you like these characters as well. So we want to get at least a little bit of kind of panel time for them to, uh, to, to let them have a bit of a moment and you can kind of like see your, your favorite character, you know, within this series as well. Uh, because yeah, like that, that stuff is sort of, again, like I, I had enough sort of, enough knowledge of the characters and fate and just the fan art to be honest to be like oh yeah okay, okay, i know who these characters are kind of cool to see them here um but again if, if you don't have that grounding then it's probably like well who who are these people and why do i care although i guess it's cool that sherlock holmes is there yeah i mean would it surprise you to learn that sherlock holmes is kind of a big part of the current ongoing storyline and has been for quite a while um but yeah, I, yeah. Th- I think part of it also plays into the general sort of fan canon almost or like fan representation where like the main character the male version of the main character appears in quite a lot of the works and is the more sort of boring milk toast who cares who this dude is sort of protagonist whereas the the female version of the main character is a lot more willful and basically has accumulated a harem of willing supplicants including you know edmund dantes and basically everyone else who like kind of has she basically has a reverse harem following her around except her reverse harem can split the earth into if they want to so you know it kind of plays into that part of like playing into the general sort of fan um enjoyment of the main characters and of course if you have a fake grand order manga without you know mash looking sad or concerned then you're not really worth your weight in anything uh because mash is very important and should be protected um but yeah i i would i would like to see what someone who is completely fate averse or fate neutral to would would think of this i think that as I say, if, if if you could carve away the sort of frame story, it would be even clearer. And it would then just be a really sweet, like, isekai story of, oh, snap, I've fallen into this alternate world where there's murderous people. Let's fight. Um, so that all kind of... But I do, what's here is, is greatly enjoyable, and I'm really excited to see the rest of it because, as I say, I've played the rest of this like storyline and some of the other fights that are coming up and the various reveals and stuff that happens are really fascinating so i can't wait to see that um i'm pretty sure that half of japan gets cut in half at one point in this storyline i'm pretty sure that happens um so we can look forward to something really stupid happening because it's fate yeah yeah and I, i'm definitely uh, like how how many volumes of this are there currently like has it gone beyond that first volume in japan in, so in japan um i think i might have cut out when i mentioned it at the start so um there are four volumes in japan i'm not sure how many volumes it will run for but it is currently ongoing um as i say the the thing with the fake grand order game itself is that quite a lot of the game is padding between the big plot events and it has a lot of visual novel text etc so how much it stretches or compresses it depends on how the art author wants to treat the material so i don't know how much that would actually translate to i'm afraid so hmm. yeah but no it's, it's cool because yeah I, I can definitely see myself just kind of <laughs> wanting to read more of this just to luxuriate in that artwork and it's like i'm not i'm not mega invested in the story and like oh my god what happens next but i'm just like you know what i can i can look at these sweet drawings for another couple of hours so like you know f- feed me more yeah i think the main thing that helps is you've got musashi who is a very interesting fun character to hang around with and so she's useful as a plot you know development um engine a, 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 an engine to push the plot forward and so you don't really need more than that to worry about the over grand storyline um but yeah i'm more than anything i'm, I'm really excited for the author because i really think this is an amazingly drawn work and i think it adapts the material well and what more could you ask for quite frankly so i i just hope we see much more from them in the future 
Um, and I hope they don't burn out having to draw all the insane bullshit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I, I'll be kind of curious to see, you know, if and, and what they might work on next after this because like it would be really interesting to see them you know try their hand at you know maybe an original work or or something else um because you know obviously there is there is a a barrier to entry of sorts here of of, you know kind of needing some sort of interest or background in in fate and fate grand order so it would be cool to to see something that you know you could recommend for anybody to dip into with no sort of caveats or like oh you might need to know this because uh like if if this is kind of their default artistic ability like i just want to see a whole lot more of it across kind of a whole broad range of genres to be quite honest yeah, for sure. As I mentioned, they've got some one-shots published, but I don't think they're available in English, um, yeah. So, let alone legally in English. So, not quite sure how to compare. But yeah, I, I greatly enjoyed this um, both on multiple levels, especially in the, like, you know, I would love, like, blown-up versions of a lot of these panels, like an art book by this author would probably be catnip. Um, so, yeah, I really enjoyed this. Um, and, you know, I'm really interested to see how it continues. So, bring the rest of those volumes over, Katanja. Come on, get on with it. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'd be interested to see like how it's doing as well from that business perspective because we know like Fate Go continues to to roll in the cash in in both Japan and the US as far as I understand it. So uh, you know, it's always that question of whether that translates out into other kind of sundry things. But uh, hopefully, it uh, it is doing just okay for them. Given the breadth of works and the ability for them to like pick and choose their projects, I would imagine so. I mean, I'd have to imagine so. I mean, they've they've had at least two or three stage plays at this point and you know like multiple anime adaptations of bits that i even i've 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 just i've lost track of it all quite frankly like uh, it's too scary to kind of look upon and realize um i already spent enough time playing the friggin' mobile game thank you very much so (laughs) Uh, but yeah so um anything else to mention on this andy uh, no, nothing else from me. Cool. Um, so that's um, Seven Doors of Swordmasters. No, I'm not saying the entire name again. Um, <laughs> so how about your pick, Andy? Which also, frankly, the name of this pick was also what made me think about fate because alter is a fate term, sadly. Um, but so pick, what's your pick, Andy? Yeah, yeah, I did, I did ironically think that as, as well when, uh, when, uh, this came up. Uh, so yeah, so my pick for, uh, for this episode is Farewell to My Altar. Uh, it is a collection of, uh, short stories from, uh, Neo Nakatani, who you may best know as the author of Bloom Into You. Um, and if you're a fan of that series, like you, I, I feel like these short stories sort of cover, like, the gamut of, a lot of the things that author kind of does across the the course of, of Bloom Into You, or at least what I've kind of seen and read of it, like you know, there there are a pretty a pretty decent kind of variety of of, of stories and, and kind of some tonal shifts here from sort of you know the melodramatic through to some pretty kind of light hearted and and kind of goofy things, um, and and a few other bits and bobs in between, um, and. It's always difficult to kind of like to to talk about sort of short story anthologies because you know you don't just have one sort of through line that that we can discuss. Um, but like in broad terms, I don't know. I I kind of this is one of those things where i kind of enjoyed it but without having any kind of like stand up and shout out like oh my god like this story is great kind of bangers like i feel like sometimes when you've got a short story collection what you really want is just one real standout that you can kind of point at and be like look at this look at this and then you can kind of like get you know then people will jump in and and read the whole thing um whereas i feel like the short stories here are all pretty solid and all, you know, kind of reasonably interesting, but none of them ever really kind of break out into any kind of, like, incredible moments. Um, Like, I mean, probably, you know, Farewell to My Altar itself is kind of the first story here and is probably sort of the strongest and most interesting, uh, simply because it sort of takes a, a, a slightly weird concept and just kind of runs with it. Um, it is basically the story of two identical twins who effectively decide for themselves that they are the same person um and that they are completely kind of interchangeable in what they do with their lives um there is kind of a is is it a love triangle when two of them are basically identical i don't know um but there's also like a boy involved and there's a whole thing around that and you know there is a there, there is some tragedy uh tragedy involved in in the whole thing and it kind of plays with the idea of you know when, when these two people are uh, effectively the same like you know who who is who 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 has even kind of survived out of these two twins when one of them passes away and and so on and so forth 
Um, but outside of that, like there's there's some there's some interesting kind of variety here. Like there, there's a short story that is kind of like a, a fantasy piece where like the author basically it's like, yeah, I play a lot of RPGs. I don't know why I've never done anything fantasy related before, so I thought I'd give it a try. Um, and there, there's you know a whole bunch of other kind of like just interesting little little things across a variety of gamuts. Um, and I. I seem to recall, like, when we talked about Blooming to You on this podcast, I was kind of a bit stronger on it than, than you were, Elliot. So I'm kind of curious to, to, to how you came down on, on sort of these various shorts yourself. Yeah, I mean, I came out only enjoying it. I mean, it's a bit of a, it's on the thin side. It's also on the cheaper side, thankfully, when you're buying it digitally. Uh, about 130 pages. Uh, Farewell to My Altar is the longest story, about 30-odd pages. Um, so that's the single largest story, although it feels longer because it's a lot more for me emotionally deep and sort of interesting um like it has a very nice little stick in the tail if you're paying attention um where i can i mean it, it, i've seen that that sort of idea before um with the brothers in or around high school host club where they have their own hang-ups about how people can't tell them apart um but that manifests in a different manner and it's an interesting story i feel like every last one of these stories has an interesting nugget to it where like they've all manifested in, I mean, the author mentions it themselves in their afterword for each story is, oh, a lot of these ideas I was working through or thinking about when I was doing Bloom Into You, like the idea of personal change, the, per- the ideas of identity, the ideas of intimacy, uh, the ideas of eating a giant ugly slug thing, which looks really worried the whole time, you know, all these sort of core ideas. Um, and so, yeah, this it, it, is going to sound like the weirdest like not intended as a backhanded compliment um phrase but it all feels very much of a piece with this author like it it has their various chunks and ideas and it separates them out and makes them into short stories whether all of them carry it off is up for debate like i feel like the rpg one the hero one is a complete snooze because it's extremely verbose and basically at the end of it i sat back and went hey wait a minute this is just the initial like summary from the demon lord in um be mine hero i refuse you know what's his face um arch enemy and hero that's it the one with the one with the demon lord lady with giant boobs Um, oh yeah yeah there we go um so yeah it basically regurgitates that economic argument from that manga slash light novel slash anime where it regurgitates that concept of oh snap military and industrial contract con the military industrial complex captured our entire economy fuck and so it basically summarizes that in a much more clunky way um which is you know well drawn but it's kind of whatever um and then as i say it has some interesting other stories and all of it like you know it feels of a piece with the author and it's all interesting enough like some of them it can't quite seem to figure out how to end it like i'm not satisfied personally with the ending of the escargot um storyline but that might just be my personal preference and dislike of just how it tries to resolve that particular thing basically with three panels left it goes oh crap i better end this Uh," and it does um and there is one story uh the one with the pianist and the car accident um i forget the actual name of it i'm very sorry i wrote it down uh that is uh happiness in the shape of a scar yeah there you go so that one that one is perhaps the single most unsettling of the stories for me and i remember it was actually translated and scanlated a while ago when i was um perusing message boards of ill repute um so that was already like a known thing that i'd read once before although with a worse translation and that one just feels really creepy like it reminds me of bloom into you in how i cannot get on with the core romance involved because it feels extremely manipulative and aggressive and negative um so seeing that story again was like oh i remember now yeah i still don't like this Um, but it looks nice and it kind of has a nice flow like it all these stories do have a very good flow apart from the hero one i'd argue but they all have a good flow of taking you through this thought experiment the author has set up for you and the characters and whether you like them or not depends on your personal preferences in that particular one. The one I would say is perhaps the most vanilla, but also the most purely enjoyable was, I think it's the last one where, um, about a double bed, um, which. Oh yeah. The one literally, literally called double bed. Thank you. Yes. I was looking at my notes just there to remember the name and it was called double bed. And it's about a lesbian couple who are like mulling over their next move, um, of property, wherever they want to move in to get, when they want to get a new place to live. And it's this really nice little moment, like of, 
one of them just kind of having an idle thought in bed and getting fed up and going, no, let's fuck it. Let's do it. Let's be legends. Let's move in together properly and get a big old fucking bed. And it's like, this is, yeah, that's really nice. That's a nice emotional, like little sort of story you've told in a very compact manner with this. And you've set these characters up quickly and well. And so and that was written in, in uh, originally for this collection. So I think that was well worth it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think perhaps some of the the strongest kind of little stories in this are the ones that are just little kind of uh, little slices of of life, little moments in time. Like that one works really well. Like always in profile is the other good one where it's just like you know this girl's a massive idol fan and her friend who is clearly like crushing hard on her is kind of like doing that thing that friends do of just being like oh like I'm you're into this thing so I'll be into it as well and I kind of like it but not like you like it. Um, but like, you know, she basically just lives for those moments where they go to concerts together and she gets to see her friend in just like unabashed, unashamed joy and is just like, no, this is, this is what I'm here for. Um, and like that, that was kind of a really nice kind of, uh, a, a really nice compact little kind of moment in time, which I, I, I enjoyed. Um, but I, I think one of the things that is actually really elevates this anthology is actually like and you kind of you know mentioned it uh, earlier is having those afterwards after each story oh for sure because um, it's it's really good and, and i really you know I, we, we talk quite often on this podcast now about kind of afterwards and, and kind of how they're like interesting fun depressing whatever they might be but i really like that like it in this case to to have that little kind of uh that little insight into oh here's here's why i made this because you know short stories in particular sometimes they can have a very clear goal of like oh you know i wanted to try something around this particular concept or topic or it might just be like i just really wanted to draw some animal ears so i don't know i just made a short story where one of the characters had animal ears what are you going to do about it um and so that that was the nice thing kind of reading through these you could see where some of them were kind of relatively kind of deeper topics that the author clearly wanted to sort of explore a little bit but without kind of going full bore and creating a full series about it and other things were just like yeah i just wanted to draw an rpg or i just wanted to draw a fox girl um and you know i and i think that's kind of quite a good thing about this sort of anthology as a whole is that it it has that variety to it because we've covered one or two others on this podcast where like it sort of feels like you're basically reading the same story over and over again it's because they always have like the same cadence and the same general kind of worldview or mindset of kind of like what what they're trying to do whereas this was kind of quite a nice it had some nice changes in pace and changes in tone from kind of the, the darker stuff like farewell to my altar and happiness in the shape of a and then you know you could bounce from that into something that was pretty light and fluffy um and again like the author even notes there's like yeah i put these where they were in the anthology because i figured i needed to lighten the mood after like doing (laughs) doing some bad stuff yeah yeah i mean i must admit like for each one it has it has a clear idea and although the author themselves laments that some of them are not as short as they would have liked or as punchy as they would like it does you know it does get to the point and at least wraps up so it's like okay you had an idea and you executed on it and whether i like it or not is up to me the reader but it you know it's definitely a sign that they had intent with all of these and even in the after the very last afterward they go oh this wasn't so bad where they sort of like fearful to look back at their own previous work um which is kind of a funny little extra bit um at the end yeah yeah but uh, but no like overall i I kind of i kind of enjoyed this it it sort of made me remember that you know i as somebody who did kind of enjoy like what i read of bloom into you that i should probably try and read more of it at some point um and it it also reminded me like i I do just like this author's art style like it's it's not a kind of especially have talked about fake grand order like it's not a kind of like barn burner like oh my god this is incredible but like it's it's really clean it's really effective like it's uh the, the character designs are good it's good at showing kind of emotion and showing whatever it needs to um and uh, you know it just generally is kind of a, a a pleasant experience to read through from a, a visual point of view as well yeah i definitely agree it's um i think it really works especially as you say like the character ha- the artist has like a type they draw like of character design um but um i think it really works in bringing out the like little looks and expressions and body language like which you know which help in the alter story because you've got two of them basically doing the exact same stuff constantly and that's kind of strong to actually manage to like help you buy into the whole like their old story of oh we're the same person actually um and yeah it, it worked and like the happiness in the shape of the scar you get those little sort of little like little 
tuts and such you can see all that stuff there and it all works like it, you know the characters as i say they're of a type but you know it works well for showing expression which is important for this work so yeah it works perfectly fine and also i think to go back on that i think blooming tea is now finished um in terms of publication so if you wanted to go back to it now would probably be a good time honestly yeah yeah I, I believe that is that is the case um but yeah i mean and again i think that the artwork has a certain versatility in terms of you know what what it can depict as well which kind of is shown off quite nicely here because you have as you said like worried snail um all the way through to kind of like you know screaming agony as a piano as a piano lid smashes down on on somebody's fingers um and you know it, it manages to carry all of that stuff off with a kind of with a weight or a levity that, that the moment requires. Um, and, you know, that that's something that not all authors manage to do quite that well. And, and so, you know, yeah, it's... Uh, it, if, if you're a Bloom Into You fan, like, this is a definite kind of... You'll definitely want to check this out. Although I do believe some of these pieces have been published before elsewhere. So you might kind of have slightly less bang for your buck if you've read some of these stories in, in other publications. But, uh, beyond that, like it's, it's definitely, uh, definitely worth checking out if you're a fan of Nia Nakatani's work. Yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, I think it's also like a bloom into you, like, regarding another character side story as well um so yeah it's nice to see more of his character more of his author's work come out there although i would admit that like, i was not the biggest fan of blooming to you i'm still interested to see what they do next and so this was you know i wouldn't I, frankly i wouldn't have picked this out on my own but i was perfectly fine to read it and you know it's quite a svelte read and yeah it was it was a fair i mean i read it several i read it twice for this once before we picked it and now once again after and yeah it's good it's perfectly enjoyable um a little on the thin side as mentioned but yeah it's it has some interesting nuggets there as i say the only one i really didn't like was the aforementioned hero story uh the rpg yeah. one but you know whatever yeah. one out one out of one out of nine is a good is a good fail right yeah yeah and i mean even that one it's like it was more a case of like yeah this is kind of an interesting concept and you know it, aesthetically it looks quite nice it's just it's not particularly it's been done before and you know it's to be honest it just was just a subject matter that does not really particularly work as a as a short story um i mean ironically kind of i think the the, the one that i sort of was almost most frustrated about was the I am custom made, which was just oh, one of yeah. those stories where I just wanted more of that world. Cause like, that's a, a, an interesting, you know, playing with the whole kind of VR concept and like, well, you know, if everybody spends all of their time as an avatar that they can design however they like, you know, it, it explores some stuff around that. And whilst what it does in that short is kind of a little bit predictable and it kind of like signposts what's coming at the end relatively early on. Um, like I kind of, I liked the core concept of that and would, really like always a series of stories set in that world um which you know clearly that ain't gonna happen but uh that that was kind of an interesting one for me as well yeah i can't believe i skipped over that when i had my most notes on that one i think i think this one falls very squarely in the elliot thinks this relationship is highly unhealthy and a bad idea all around but still interesting i mean as you say the actual like kink in it is very obvious from even from ten thousand feet away but it's an interesting sort of just like dilemma and also just an interesting way of viewing like the world state. So yeah, it's, you know, can love bloom on the VR chat? Who knows? Uh, not in this case, <laughs> as it turns out. But yeah, I, as I say, once again, it falls into the Elliot is a, is a, um, is a humbug and doesn't like this, but like, it's a perfectly, it's a fun story to read at least, even if I think, yeah, well, just need I, to knock it out, knock it off. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's kind of partly what I found fascinating about that one specifically because it it gives you that unhealthy relationship but in a way where like it's not it doesn't comment on it either way like some some of the other stories and like you know blooming to you I, I will totally kind of like accept is is one of those things where it kind of it, it kind of like gives a pass to behaviors that you you kind of raise an eyebrow at whereas this one felt like it was being it wasn't kind of being like oh and this is a good thing and that's i think that's partly why i kind of just wanted to see more of it because i wanted to see what direction it was kind of taking that in terms of like this is not really a healthy way of, of going about things like 
you know i I would like to have seen it extrapolate that out in terms of you know consequences etc etc but uh but hey that's that that is often the dilemma of short stories is like when they're good they they end up just leading to the point where that you you end up wanting more of them oh for sure yeah i almost i feel like there would be need to be a third character like an observer to be like hey what the fuck um to burst that out into a larger stage but it's a short story so you've got to pick pick your battle where you can and it's still you know it's an interesting back and forth at least you know so it's it, yeah. it, it won't leave you bored so yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the, maybe, maybe we will get like a second installment of that where the third character has just like stolen the skin of Sandwave from Transformers and creates a love triangle. Who knows? Oh God, it'd be like, yeah, it'd be like Monster Factory or something. Oh God. <laughs> so yeah, um, but yeah, I don't have anything further to say on this. As I say, it's, it's perfectly fine. It's perfectly fine. Little short story collection, especially if you like this author. There you go. <laughs> yeah, fans, ab- of, fans of the genre. Yeah. <laughs> anything, anything you want to add, Andy? Uh, no, nothing from my side. Cool. So, moving on to our picks for next episode. So I went back and forth on this, and my pick is um, Shino Can't Say Her Name by Shuzo, Shuzo Osumi, um, they of Flowers of Evil um, fame, um, which apparently has also been trans- translated into a um, drama, which is quite fascinating. But this is a one-volume um, work uh, by um, Oshima and is available from Denpa. Um, I got my copy directly from them digitally. You know, they're also on Kobo and a few other stores as well. I don't think there's a dig- I don't think there's a physical version yet. Um, but yeah, Andy. Oh, bloody hell, Andy! How about you? Uh, yeah, so uh, my pick for the next uh, the next instalment is also a one shot. It's from the uh, Chainsaw Man author Tatsuki Fujimoto. Um, it's already been like much discussed elsewhere on the internet, so I felt like it would re- be remiss for us not to check it out at some point. Um, and it is um, called A Look Back. Yeah, I'm looking forward to reading this because I haven't actually finished it yet because. 20 pages in, I got such um, bad vibes that I put it down. It's also like a volume in length, so to call it a one-shot is um, um, charitable, I suppose, in a weird way. So good job, dude. Um, Yeah, I'm looking forward to reading this. Also scared to. You know how it is. Yes, yeah, like everything I've seen about it has been like, oh, this sounds fascinating, but also I probably need to like <laughs> book book some time to just like hug a pillow or something afterwards. So uh, we sh- we'll see how it goes. So, moving into Close Down, um, you can find all of our other podcasts and the full list of previous topics covered on ScreenTone.club. You can find us on Twitter at ScreenToneClub, um, where we post posts about stuff. As mentioned in the middle of the episode, we have a Patreon. Um, you can find us at patreon.com forward slash ScreenToneClub. Uh, voting for the August bonus episode topic is ongoing and in a dead heat. So if you are a $3 and up backer, please consider getting your votes in. And yeah, my name is Elliot Page. You can find me on Twitter at Elliot Page, mostly posting pictures of little plastic mans that I paint and my cat. Andy, how about you? Yes, you can find me on Twitter where I'll probably be talking about houses and decorating and stuff like that for the foreseeable by the by the look of it um at hannah's 1979. Well, all you've got to do is buy six more debt offs and you're good really <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i mean luckily i don't think i have room for six more desolves so hopefully i won't uh, I, I won't be tempted but we shall see i just got tetris them you know just <laughs> mash them in anyway um so yeah thank you very much for listening and for both of us good night bye everyone <laughs>